This is the Two for the Matters podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan, and we welcome you to another edition of Bible Study Reflection Solo with Friends. This is a segment which is fairly new. I was inspired during during one of my own personal Bible studies that I have with a friend of mine, Eric, which we do every Monday. And, you know, we read two or three chapters individually, and then we come together in fellowship with one another for about an hour. And I found myself that many of those times I still felt pretty full, even though I said, gee, you know, why not use another outlet to kind of share some of the rabbit holes that I go down deeply when it comes to me trying to understand God's word. And this new segment says solo or with friends. And I actually have done a solo episode. But today I'm adding in a familiar voice that you all probably might remember. He's actually a friend of mine, and you know we've actually worked together before. And he's been again; he's been a guest on my podcast, specifically episode seventy-nine. And he actually has his own podcast called "Where Did You See God?" So let me welcome in Paul Granger. How are you doing today? Hello, hello. I'm I'm doing well overall. One thing you know, but I'll let the listeners know, is I woke up with a with a rough headache. So if I say anything that sounds weird, we're just going to blame the headache and not me. <laughs> And for those who know springtime is the worst for us who have allergies. So kind of sucking on that as well. So we are a little bit handicapped, but I believe anytime we come together for the you know sole purpose of glorifying our God in whatever way, in whatever capacity we can, I think it's definitely worth doing it. So you don't yeah, mind. And in our weakness, God has shown strong. So it's all right if we're not 100% because God always is. <laughs> Amen to that. Amen to that. Okay, so first and foremost, as we do always, we begin with prayer and we end with prayer. So I'm going to begin and Paul will close for us. Heavenly Father, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we want to thank you so much for giving us this opportunity to allow us to fellowship with one another. Lord, you always told us that two or three are gathered. There you are in the midst, Lord. So I pray all listeners out there, Lord, touch their eyes to see, their ears to hear, their hearts to receive, and their minds to understand your word much more deeply, Lord. I pray that you use us as instruments of your righteousness to make things much more clear, because Lord, we know that you're not the author of confusion. Lord, we know that you're a God that's merciful, that gives us first, second, third, fourth plus chances. And Lord, I pray today, let us provide some sort of deep understanding to help the listeners. Lord, we believe in suggestions and providing a different outlook. So Lord, I pray that through this conversation that me and Paul had with your Holy Spirit present, speak to us, help us, guide us, direct us, be stewardships to us, Lord. Therefore, Lord, we say these things humbly and with surety. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so first order of business we would like to do is i'm actually going to read the text we're going to be unpacking today it's lamutations you know by the way i I haven't heard too many people speak from lamutations not sure why but you know (laughs) that book itself is very interesting and it actually comes on the backside of jeremiah we'll get into that a little bit details as we set the foundation but the text is lamutations chapter three Verse 31 through 33, we're going to look at this in the NLT, for it says, For no one is abandoned by the Lord forever. 
Though he brings grief, he also shows compassion because of the greatness of his unfailing love. For he does not enjoy hurting people or causing them sorrow. Interesting, interesting text. So, you know, God promises that he will never leave you nor forsake you. And it's found in many multiple books of the Bible in both the Old and the New Testament. And it comes with this promise and assurance that he will always be with us no matter our past. We can always repent and return to his love, mercy, and grace in order to embrace God's grace and mercy. It honestly takes faith. So to kind of understand this a little bit more, I'm going to read two more texts that I think could be helpful to the audience to understand, right? Because context matters. Having a healthy hermeneutic matters. And therefore, I think it's essential to really understand why I've chosen this and what what led up to this. So we'll go to Jeremiah chapter 7. I'm going to read verses 21 through 27 in the English Standard Version. It says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, add your burnt offerings to your sacrifices and eat the flesh. For in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt, I did not speak to your fathers or command them concerning burnt offerings and sacrifices. But this command I gave them, obey my voice and I will be your God and you shall be my people. Walk in all the way that I command you that it may be well with you. But they did not obey or incline their ears, but walked in their own counsel and the stubbornness of their evil hearts, and went backwards and not forward. From the day that your fathers came out of the land of Egypt to this day, I have persistently sent all my servants, the prophets to them, day after day. Yet they did not listen to me, or incline their ears, but stiff neck, their, stiff was their neck. They did not worsen than their father. So you shall speak all these words to them, but they will not listen to you. You shall call to them, but they will not answer. To kind of sum that up a little bit, this is Jeremiah, and we learned that God called him and knew him in his mother's womb. And in this situation, what happens is Jeremiah is known as the crying prophet. Why is he known as the crying prophet? Because he prophesied what the Lord had told him, and no one listened to him. They ignored him. They paid no attention to what he had to say. And as a result, go back to land mutations. We go to chapter one. I'm going to read verse five. I'm going to read verses seven through eight. And we'll kind of start to unpack this a little bit. So Lamutations chapter one, verse five says this. Here foes have become her master. Her enemies are at ease. The Lord has brought her grief because of her own many sins. Her children have gone into exile, captive before the foe. Verses 7 through 8, this is all in the NLT. In the midst of her sadness and wandering, Jerusalem remembered her ancient splendor, but now she has fallen to her enemy, and there is no one to help her. Her enemy struck her down and laughed as she fell. Jerusalem has sinned greatly, so she has been tossed away like a filthy rag. All who once honored her now despise her, for they have seen her stripped naked and humiliated. All she can do is groan and hide her face. So we go back to Lamutations 3, and we're going to look at verse 31. We're going to talk a little bit about that. For it says, For no one is abandoned by the Lord forever. So, Paul, when you look at this verse, what comes to mind? What are some of your thoughts? Yeah. 
Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, you know, this could be a coincidence or it could be God, and I tend to lean towards the latter. But when you brought this verse uh, into the text, uh, I was immediately struck by how relevant it was to a conversation I'm going to have this evening. And as I shared with you, I'm going to be on a podcast called The Bible Says What, which is uh, pos positions itself as an atheist versus Christian podcast. And the host of it, I've heard many of his episodes, uh, Michael, one of his big questions that he will ask his guests is, where do you see God being loving in scripture? Because for him, he sees a lot of scriptures that seem very unloving, very selfish. And he sees a lot of Christians holding on to the really positive ones, like for no one is abandoned by the Lord forever. Um, he shows compassion because of the greatness of his unfailing love. He does not enjoy hurting people or causing them sorrow. Like, and for him, that seems like Christians are just cherry picking mm -hmm. these good verses and missing the others. Because let's be honest, the verses that precede 31 are heavy. I'm going to yeah. read through some of them. I am the one who has seen the afflictions that come from the rod of the Lord's anger. He has led me into darkness, shutting out all light. He has turned his hand against me again and again. All day long. He has made my skin and flesh grow old. He has broken my bones. He has besieged and surrounded me with anguish and distress. He has buried me in dark places like those long dead. He has walled me in and I cannot escape. He has bound me in heavy chains. And though I cry and shout, he has shut out my prayers. He has blocked my way with a high stone wall. He has made my road crooked. He is hidden like a bear or a lion waiting to attack me. He has dragged me off the path and torn me in pieces, leaving me helpless and devastated. He has drawn his bow and made me the target of his sorrows. He shot his arrows deep into my heart. My own people laugh at me. All day long, they sing their mocking songs. He has filled me with bitterness and given me a bitter cup of sorrow to drink. He has made me chew on gravel. He has rolled me in the dust. Peace has stripped away and I have forgotten what prosperity is. I cry out, my splendor is gone. Everything I had hoped for from the Lord is lost. Though the thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercy never ceases. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. And the, the disparity between that is striking, right? Uh -huh. Like, I could see someone in Michael's position really latching onto that first part. Man, that sounds awful. This person's trying to seek God, and God is breaking his bones, shooting arrows into his heart. And yet somehow, the same guy, in the same breath, can speak something so painful and then say, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercy never ceases. For no one is abandoned by the Lord. Though he brings grief, he also shows compassion because of the greatness of his unfailing love. For he does not enjoy hurting people or causing them sorrow. And I think this is what's so important about this passage that you've brought to the table. Is that we have to admit that as believers, we often do take scripture and situations 
out of context. We want to hold to God's love and goodness. And so the way we do that is we don't talk about the hard elements of life. We want to say that God is loving. And so therefore, we won't think about the times that it seems God is unloving. And this is where those who identify as atheists, like they see that. They see that you're only thinking of the good things. You're only painting a good picture. But what about all these hard moments in the Old Testament? What, are the, what about these hard moments where it seems like God's wrath is raining down? But what we as believers need to do is recognize that there is a deeper context to all of this, that the beautiful thing that this person is experiencing is also experienced in a hard life, in a hard world. And that hard life and hard world is experienced in a deeper reality of all of creation of God's great long-term plan. And if we don't understand the full context, then when those hard moments hit, we're going to really struggle to trust God's faithfulness and goodness. But what Lamentations is saying here is that God can be faithful, even when it seems like he's tearing us down. That God can be loving, even when it seems like love doesn't exist. In other words, God's faithfulness and love is not contingent on our circumstances, nor is it contingent on our understanding of the circumstances or of God. Uh-huh. And Lamentations invites us to step into a, pace, a place of faith and trust that no matter how rough things get, we could still choose to trust that God is God and God is good. Uh-huh. Doesn't mean it's easy. <laughs> Doesn't mean it's always clear. But that's the case for a lot of things in life. We are constantly stepping in faith, trusting something before we see it. It's just with God, sometimes we hold him to a much higher standard. He has to prove himself to us Uh before we will even begin to trust him. But God doesn't owe us a thing. (laughs) God doesn't owe us any explanation. We see that in Job. And yet, and yet, even though he owes us nothing, so often he still stoops down. What is it? Uh, It's like Psalm 18 or something. It's talking about how big and powerful and frightening God is. And then it says, and he stooped down and picked me up from the muck. Mm. You know, this massive God picks little me out of the mud. Mm -hmm. And so I I think this passage is powerful Mm -hmm. for no one is abandoned by the Lord forever Mm -hmm. because a lot of people have felt abandoned. This passage is saying that's not actually the case. So now knowing that's true, that God doesn't abandon How do we then step back and relook at our sense of abandonment? How do we look at our situation differently, knowing that God actually brings compassion? God actually has unfailing love. Mm -hmm. Wow, great, great thought. You know, interesting enough, there's a conversation I had with a woman yesterday, and she brought this statement up to me. She said, you know, someone asked me, why does bad things happen to good people? And I said, what's interesting about that sentence is you're, you're looking at it in the sense that you're good. And then you're also looking mm-hmm. into the sense that the bad things are also bad. So the question is, you have to reevaluate how you're processing that sentence. First of all, you're placing yourself in a category and your own interpretation of you being good. And then you're placing that goodness that you proclaim to be operating in. And then you're looking at others that might be operating in what you, you classify as bad. But the question is, what would you classify as bad? And what do you classify as good? Because Jesus is clear. No one is good except, you know, the Father in heaven. So that sentence right there, I just laughed. I'm like, 
I remember it was a justified question when I wasn't in my word. But then when I became in my word, I'm like, mm, there's a lot of things you haven't exposed yourself to to really understand and unpack that sentence in totality. Because yeah. when you do, you realize that your whole approach to it, your whole lens of understanding is definitely not in the sense of some sort of humble ability. Instead, it's in the sense of classifying yourself as a hero in a story. And that's where we, we get, you know, very twisted. So I, I appreciate how you went about that. I actually went about it a different way. So a lot of things I do on this podcast. Ooh. Yeah, I actually went about it in a different way. So I want to hear your thoughts about this. So it, there's a reason why I brought up the Jeremiah 7, 21 through 27 verse, because even though that's mm -hmm. God having a conversation with Jeremiah, and because we're reading and this has already transpired, we're invited to see that this is something that Jeremiah was warned of, that he would be crying and mm -hmm. prophesy and people won't be listening. So Lamutations, the book after, is a result of the people that rejected the message of repentance. So a lot yeah. of us, when we read the text, that God said he would never leave us nor forsake us, or we go and do the Romney and read what was part of the contract in terms of the, co the, the, the covenant, you see that a lot of these things were self-inflicted because you had a lot of people, once God said these were things that I would do if this, so it wasn't contingent on the promise. Once the promise and the covenant was broken, they then got exposed to the negative things. So that's pretty interesting because we learned that through this experience, this is why it's so important for grace and mercy. Because at the time, it wasn't that grace and mercy wasn't there. There's numerous different individuals that had plenty of opportunity to change their behavior, and God was merciful and careful before he acted. So this is a result mm -hmm. of not punishing, say, individuals, but a nation in totality. So that's that's the after effect. But when I looked at this verse, the first verse that I look at is I kind of unpacked it a little bit deeper. When I look at 31, it says, For no one is abandoned but the Lord forever. Now, by the Lord forever. And the first thing that came to mind was the transition of powers from Moses to Joshua. And remember, there was a period in time that once Moses was taken or Moses was left and he obviously wasn't going to enter the land. There was a period in time where people were concerned about who would lead us next. What would happen? Right. So mm -hmm. in that sense, there was an abandonment going on there. What's happening? Who's leading us? How are we moving forward? And if you go to Joshua chapter 1, verse 5, it says, no one will be able to stand against you. This is God now talking to Joshua. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be, be with you as I was with Moses, and I will not fail you or abandon you. So we see a transition of power from leadership from Moses to Joshua, and then we get the reassurance of God, even though there was a period in time when they weren't sure on who God was going to choose, ended up choosing Joshua, a man of war. And then there's a transfer of power to him. And then there's a promise from God being with him all the way through. And that's when Joshua leads the people. When mm -hmm. I look at verse 32, it says, though he brings grief, he also shows, shout, shows compassion because of the greatness of his, his unfailing love. And the first thing that popped up to, into my head was first Hebrews 12. 
verses 5 through 11. And, and I want you, everyone to listen carefully, right? Because this this is so personal by, by well, they I believe it's Paul, but there are a lot who say they don't know who the writer of Hebrews is. <laughs> but he says this, And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, My children don't make light of the Lord's discipline. And don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves. That's interesting. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. Punishment as a child. And as you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own child. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by his father. You see, that's like the correlation of relatability for us when we look at that. Verse 8 says, if God does not discipline you as he does all his children, then it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers knew how, but God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable. Why it is happening, it is painful. But afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained this way. So that's a tough pill to swallow in regards to God's response and his necessity when it comes to trying to train us and direct us in the right way. And discipline is important, right? In Proverbs, it says those who love discipline love knowledge, but those who hate correction are stupid, right? So there's a, there's a, there's a need for discipline. It's, it's, it's important, right? I also think about 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 through 10. He says, but you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promises, as some may think. Some people may think he's being patient for your sake. He wants not everyone to be destroyed, he wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come and unexpected and unexpected as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. So this need and this exchange or this time that God gives us to change this discipline that we were receiving is coming on the back to understand Romans 5 20 21 when it says the Lord was it says the law was brought in so that the trespass might increase but when sin increases grace increases all the more so that just as sin reigns in death so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord so this extension and this understanding that when sin increases, grace increases all the more. And the hope that we come to repentance is necessary. Is that these are periods in time of God's compassion and love for us. That even though we might be operating or living in sin, this exchange or this extended period of grace is so that we can get it together. So that we can come to a place where we're being responsive. And the only way that would happen is for God to extend his grace. So even though sin is increasing, so is grace increasing. All the more so that eventually 
when we're reflecting over our lives and the choices that we've made, we'll come to the rea- reality and the realization of how important it is and how it's important that God wants us to come to discovery of our own mistakes and problems and how he's waiting there in open arms. His grace and mercy is accessible. But sometimes it takes some people a little bit longer. And God is willing to be patient with us during this period and stage of our lives. Now, there's... there's yeah. well, I, uh-huh. well, I was just going to say, you know, this idea of discipline and this idea of God being a father sits with me differently that now than it did when I was younger. And now I'm a father. I'm a father of three kids. And so when I read verses like uh, Lamentations 3, 27, and it uh-huh. says, and it is good for people to submit at an early age to the yoke of his discipline. I would love for my kids at an early age <laughs> to come to respect my fathering uh-huh. and coaching. And, and what makes this hard is when we hear the yoke of his discipline, that could mean a lot of things to different people. Uh-huh. Uh, to some people, if their parents had a more laid back approach, it could mean one thing. To another, if their parents were abusive, it could mean another thing, right? So what we're ultimately talking about here, though, is scripture talks about God being a father, God being loving, God being good, God being gracious. And we get passages like the prodigal son that paints this picture of a father who had unending love for his son, even when his son dipped with all the money and did all the things his father tried to raise him to not do. And When we talk about this discipline piece, when we talk about the verses you read that said, if you obey my commands, things will be good for you. And if you don't, it's going to be rough. For some, it could sound like a threat, like God saying, oh, if you don't obey me, then I'm coming down hard on you. But what if, what if what God's actually saying is, here's the reality of how things work. When I created this world, I created you. I know how things are supposed to function. And in my presence, you will find full life and thriving. But if you try to go off on your own, you're never going to survive. Like you are not equipped to survive this world without me. This isn't a threat. I'm just telling you what reality is. And he's trying so hard to help people to understand that by seeking him and obeying him, they are actually seeking full life. And where we see his graciousness is if this was just a threat, then the first time the Israelites failed to obey him, that could have been it. But what do we see in the Old Testament? Time and time and time again, he shows mercy and compassion and love. Time and time and time again, they seek idols, fall into ruin, cry out to him, and he comes just like the father running to the prodigal son. Uh And so, you know, this idea of, (laughs) again, it is good for people to submit at an early age to the yoke of his discipline. The sooner we realize that God is loving, and that God actually knows what's best, and that we're willing to receive that that hard word when we inevitably choose our own way or choose our own understanding, the sooner it is that we can find that thriving, that we can discern the secret to being content in all situations, that we can grow from our missteps. And passages like these are ones that can give us that reminder of how even in the hardest situations, that invitation is there. But you're right. Like as people, too often we go our own ways. So thank goodness God has unfailing love uh-huh. because we could have been abandoned forever. Yes. Amen. But just like the father and the prodigal son, 
the prodigal son could have assumed his father had abandoned him. It's just that his father had chosen not to be a helicopter parent, right? His father could have said, no, you will not leave. Or he could have chased his son down and grabbed him out of his partying and said, no, you will live the way. No, in a sense, God abandoned him because he didn't follow him into his ruin. Mm -hmm. But God didn't abandon him in the sense that he wrote him off. Because as soon as the son came back, the father was ready with a robe, a ring, a fattened calf, and a whole lot of love. Yes, yes. Now, there's there's two passages that I, a scripture, because you were right. Once I read 32, and it said, though he brings grief, there's a comma there. It says, he also shows compassion because of the greatness of his unfailing love. I came to these two passages that I thought were profound. So one is Genesis chapter 4, verse 6 through 15. He says, so this is, this is interesting. This is God's interaction with Cain, right? So in verse 6, he says, Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted, which is interesting. In other words, it's like, if you do well, believing in me and doing what is acceptable and uh, pleasing to me, Will you not be accepted? This is pretty much what he's saying in in verse 7. He says, you will be accepted if you do what is right, right? But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. So now this is God's conversation with Cain before the next secret of events. So he was one with a, a piece of wisdom to to make sure that you conquered the sin. You don't let the sin conquer you, right? So this is Cain obviously making a mistake, but I want you to see what God does that's an example of his love, of his compassion. So verse eight says, one day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the fields, Cain attacked him, brother Abel, and killed him. Afterwards, the Lord asked Cain, where is your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know, Cain responded. Am I my brother's guardian or keeper, right? But the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you have cursed and banished from the ground, which has swallowed your brother's blood. No longer will the ground yield good crop for you, no matter how hard you work. For now on, you will be homeless, wandering the earth. Cain replied to the Lord. So this is the, this is the verse right here. Cain replied to the Lord, my punishment is so too great for me. To bear, you have banished me from the land from my presence. You have made me a homeless wanderer. Anyone will find me and will kill me. The Lord replied, no, for I will give you a sevenfold punishment to anyone who kills you. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain to warn anyone who might try to kill him. So Cain left the Lord's presence and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. So even after Cain did something that was as, as ridicule and, and harsh as killing his own brother, God still showed unfailing love. So even Cain was concerned about his life. God still protected him. God still decided to do something. The other passage that, that came up was Genesis 16. And I'm not going to read all of it, but I want to read, kind of give you some context between Sarah and Hagar. And what happens here in, in verse 13 is Sarah, uh, well, Abraham allows Sarah to say that she would deal, dealt with uh, Hagar in a harsh way. So then Hagar fled from her. 
And then the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, right? And they had a conversation. And she talked about why she was fleeting. And in verse 13, after that conversation had, not only does she go back and returns to the mistress, she says, and I love it in the Amplified Version, she says, then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God who sees, for she said, have I even here in the wilderness remain alive, but after him who sees me understand and understand and shows compassion to me. So these are two situations where one is fleeting because uh, Sarah is fleeting, well not Sarah, Hagar is fleeting because of the harsh reality of her not having the ability to actually give birth to a child. She does it for Abraham and then there's a conflict there and she doesn't feel valued as much. She doesn't feel loved. And it took the angel of the Lord coming to her to reassure her, not do I, not only do I see you in the predicament that you're in, but I have compassion for you, right? And then we have the same thing with Cain. He does something aggressively, something that is pretty harsh, right? Kills his own brother. And yet, in fear of his life, God still has compassion to make sure that he's still protected, even after he did something as harsh as he did by taking his own brother's life. And there's something that you said earlier that I want to touch on. I want to get your thoughts. When we look at John 3.16, God so loved the world that whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. A lot of people don't realize that the contingent there is the belief in him, right? And when we think about Proverbs, I believe it's chapter 3, verse 34, it said, God opposes the proud but shows favor and humble to the oppressed. I look at life in this too, in this way. I look at it as a scale, zero and two. Two is the standard of God's grace and mercy that we have. But when you remove yourself out of that grace and mercy by, by not choosing to believe, you're causing your own self, self-affliction. And the reason why you're doing that is because what allows you to be comforted and shielded and protected is God's grace and mercy. It's so interesting that God's grace and mercy extends to us a lot more deeper than we want to think, because I believe it's Matthew chapter 5, verse 35, that tells us, For he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and on the unjust, which technically means for those who don't even believe in God, they still have favor. They still have some sense of blessedness. But what keeps you under God's grace and mercy? to actually receive blessings, to have favor in situations, is what we learn in Luke eleven twenty eight, and I, And I love it in the, in the Amplified Version. He says, on the contrary, blessed and happily favored by God are those who hear the word of God and continually observe it. So if you want to have more blessings from God and you want to be shielded and protected from God, it requires us to continuously not just read his word and continually observe it, but to stay in his grace and mercy. When you remove yourself out of God's grace and mercy, that is not him doing it. It is you choosing to do it under, I guess, whatever circumstance or situation you find prevalent to do so. But God's grace and mercy is here. It's always going to be here, right? Even if you backslide and you come back, he's here for open arms. I do think that's important to let you know that when you've chosen not to, 
then you're stepping outside of God's comfort. It's like an umbrella, right? It's raining. The umbrella's there. But when you choose that you don't want to be under the umbrella anymore, you step out. That is when you face life's troubles. And you made a very important part when you said, we're in a situation where we're not equipped to handle life's troubles. And there was a phrase that I came up with not too long ago that I thought was pretty interesting. I said, I believe we're inadequate when it comes to comprehension of the circumstances that we're going through, which means that we're broken and wounded individuals. We, we have a condition of sin and we're not equipped to handle life's troubles without assistance. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to come back to him, right? And he wants us mm-hmm. to lean on him, not on our own understanding, but on him. And I think that's mm-hmm. the challenge that we're going through. And sometimes a lot of us, we get, we get a lot of, we get a lot of battle scars and those battle scars come with this attempt to do it ourselves. And then we learn, we have somebody that's already did that and who can assist us in our time of need. And I think we, we we should try to lean on that a little bit more. So what do you think? What are your thoughts? You know, cause again, it's this idea that, we think we understand reality, but we actually don't. Yeah. We think we could package reality, but it's actually bigger than we know. And the one who does understand it and can package it is God. And so to kind of bring these things together, again, talking about this idea of father and his children, it would be similar to my household, you know, my community, where I have kids who think they have an understanding of reality. They think they know how things work and they will often push against me. Dad, I can eat candy for breakfast. (laughs) Dad, I can do this, that, or the other. Uh Dad, I could run out, you know, past the fence into the street because I'm fast, right? They think they know how things work. As a father, I know painfully so sometimes how much they don't understand, Uh how much that they may never understand as kids. Things that I didn't come to understand until I was an adult or things that I didn't come to understand until I was a parent. And so what that means is that there is always this element of reality that my kids would not be able to healthily, (laughs) productively sustain themselves if they went on their own. At the very least, they'd have awful diets. At the worst, they would put themselves in harm way because they would be outside of the protection of their parent who could keep them out of the street or could keep them away from a stranger who could do their, do them harm. And so I am constantly, constantly trying to raise my kids, encourage my kids, um, correct my kids around a way of life that will keep them alive, but also bring them joy, bring them peace and build them up to be able to have their own households one day. Now, what God realizes is that He's inviting us to something way bigger. This isn't just some household because there are plenty of kids who have ran away from home and survived, right? Now, they may have, as you noted, a lot of battle scars. They may have a lot of trauma. There may be a lot of unhealthiness. Um, But the reality with what, (laughs) you know, capital R reality is, is that without God, like, we, we can't do this. And yet, And yet God invites us into this in a very unique way, not as subjects, but as children. Uh, Jesus talks about co-laborers. He talks about us being friends 
Uh, he talks about us being brothers and sisters in him. Like we're invited into this new household at a level that we don't deserve, that we never could have earned and we couldn't have gotten to on our own. And the way there, and this is why I think it's important to note the differentiation, is that we want to believe that, well, okay, maybe I don't understand yet, but if I just increase my knowledge, increase my skills, increase my strength, then I can get to the point where I could do this on my own. What, what scripture points out over and over again is that, that uh, that's a fallacy. <laughs> the Apostle Paul keeps saying, I, I don't understand what I do. Because the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. He says, I, I had this thorn in my flesh. And I kept praying for God to take it away so I could thrive and be productive. And God didn't do it. And I realized that in my weakness, God has shown strong. In other words, even someone like the Apostle Paul realized that it was never meant for him to become self-sufficient. And that becoming dependent on God was not a thing to be avoided. In fact. There was this contentment, this indescribable joy, this unexpected peace that came from that dependence on God because God wasn't some cruel master over his subjects. He was a loving father. He is a loving father that, again, when it says, uh, uh, I've lost it somewhere on the screen, <laughs> but that in his presence, there is this love, like that's what he's inviting us to. And so, yeah, the idea of obedience can be hard to grapple with. The idea yeah. of dependence, the idea uh -huh. of discipline, all these things can be hard to grapple with. But what God is inviting us is to see the big holistic picture of what he's communicating through scripture. Yeah. That he's calling us to follow him, not because of a cruelty or a selfishness, but because he knows how life works and he desires us to have full life. And he knows that it's only in his presence that that can happen. And he also knows that we are prone to wander. So he patiently, lovingly stays at the table with us, extends mercy and grace and love, because he also knows that there will come a point that through his spirit that it might click for us. <laughs> we might suddenly realize, oh, God is powerful and loving, mm -hmm. and that we might start to remain in his presence more and more and less and less in our own. Yeah, I agree with you. Absolutely. And uh, last verse that comes to mind is, is Hebrews 4.15, right? Where he says, we do not have a highest priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, mm -hmm. but we have one yeah. who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. The only thing that's different between us is he didn't sin. So that's why praying and, and conversation with him gives us an opportunity that we have someone who died the death we should have died and lived the life that we can't live and hope that we can strive to be holy as he is one day. And that's that one day. I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but it takes, <laughs> it's going to take some time. I don't think we'll ever reach perfection, but we can be like our masters, but I don't think we'll ever be our master. Right. So. Yeah. Like and, Paul says, not that I have achieved perfection, but I continue to run the race. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's what we do. Yes. Like we continue to run towards this goal. Yes. All right, Paul, I want to say thank you so much for coming on and, and lending a different perspective of the verses that we read and, and providing a bit more in depth and unpacking the verses, right? And obviously, you know, yeah. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of just searching the scriptures out and, and looking for different ways 
of trying to let sometimes scripture interpret scripture. I'm a big fan of that, that if I read something in one place, there has to be other verses that support it or, mm-hmm. you know, create a resemblance of how God has shown himself to be something that we may believe that he isn't. And we see it sometimes yeah. in stories and narratives that are in other elements of the Bible that can help us get a bigger or greater understanding of what he is trying to communicate to us. So, Lord, uh, if you don't mind, Paul, uh, so one more thing. you, For the listeners that this is your first time hearing, again, Paul's on the episode 79. I've also been on Where Did You See God? So, Paul, let the, our audience know where they can find you. Yeah, so if you want to learn more about what I'm doing, but more importantly, um, but what I feel like God's called me to is to create spaces that are authentic and accessible for people to process who God is and what this life is and to process hard questions like what you and I have just been navigating. If anybody wants to step into that type of space, www.wheredidyouseegod.com is where you can go. You can also find the podcast, Where Did You See God, wherever you stream podcasts. But for me, it's less about promoting my stuff and more about saying, I want people to know that you're not alone in what you're processing and what you're asking. And when we come together and process together, powerful things can happen because God is not trying to hide from us. Amen. Right. We draw near to him. He'll draw near to us. And like you said, I don't think we grow in isolation. We grow in community. And that's why Paul put it so well. I think it's first Romans chapter one, verse 12. Let us be mutually encouraged by one another's faith. So the way you grow is in community and in spaces that are trying to navigate some of the same things that you think no one else is. But there are communities out there whether it's Facebook groups, whether it's what Paul just suggested. And sometimes these conversations can help transform the way you think, right? Romans 12, 2, let us not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed through the renewing of our mind. And that's any sort of Christian content out there that's trying to get you closer and closer to encourage you to want to be in relationship with Christ. And that's the most important thing we want for you to have. So, Paul, if you don't mind, close out in prayer with us. Yeah. And as I close out in prayer, I want to give one last uh, encouragement and challenge to everyone. You know, I I still have this bad headache. It's still here, right? But I knew that this conversation would be important. And like Jonathan is my friend, so I pressed through. And the encouragement and challenge is we can have that same approach to scriptures like these. That just as I could have wanted to avoid this because going through with a headache would be too hard, we want to avoid some of these hard, hard passages because we don't know how it could have value. Um, but do like Jonathan's been demonstrating, press in even to the, ch- the passages that are confusing uh, and, and frightening and strange. Press in because we can experience God in those spaces. So Father God, I just want to thank you that you are God and you are good. And I do thank you that you meet us in these spaces, that your word is God-breathed, living and active. And that as we explore your word, we're going to discover deeper elements of who you are, deeper elements of your love, deeper elements of your power. There is so much in this world that we can't understand. And so there's so much in scripture that may be beyond our comprehension, but you meet us in those spaces. And so I pray for everyone that's listening right now that has had those moments of not knowing uh, what you're saying or who you are in the midst of their struggles and in the midst of scripture. I pray that they would feel a sense that you are with them, that you have not abandoned them and that you are extending love, that they would feel that sense and that they would take a step towards that. Even if it seems strange or obscure or confusing, that they would take that step towards you 
um, because we know that scripture says that you are love and that you desire to be with us. Seek and you will find. And so I pray for them now that they would feel your presence and feel your love and that that would spur them on to continue to seek you more and more and more because in you there is true full life beyond anything that we could ever achieve on our own. Thank you for loving us so deeply. All this we pray in your most holy and precious name. Amen. Amen.